Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Intelligence Download. Uh, we're certainly living in extraordinary times with the advent of COVID-19, and it's something that all organisations are working to manage. Unfortunately, this pandemic also brings those who seek to take advantage of it out of the woodwork. Um, in this episode, Dennis Toomey, our uh, Global Director for Counter-Fraud and Analytics, sat, is sitting down with Matthew Smith, Director of the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud, to discuss the background of the coalition. Uh, what we could expect from a fraud perspective over the coming months and what organisations and individuals should be doing to protect themselves. Uh, and obviously, Matthew, this is your second time with us. So first off, thank you for coming back again, uh, even though it is remotely. Obviously, we're all remote like the rest of the world. Um, and obviously, thank you, Dennis, again, for remotely coming back from your office uh, over in the States. Uh, I'll hand over to you, Dennis, to kick off the conversation. OK, thanks, Paul. I really appreciate it. Uh, first and foremost, Matthew, I understand how busy you are. You have a lot of things going on right now during this pandemic, so you just have to know how much I really, really do appreciate your time and energy that you put into um, making these podcasts and, and, and communicating the message to the public that we need to communicate. Well, you're certainly welcome, to um, us, and uh, we value tremendously DAE Systems as a part of the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud and this opportunity to talk with you and everyone today. Thanks. So, first, uh, you know, I hope the transition to executive director has been going smoothly for you. It has. Uh, it, it's been an interesting couple of months uh, since I took over in January. Then we knew nothing of COVID-19 taking over the world like it has and what we're going to talk about today. But our members have been tremendous, and it's been great to reach out not only across the United States, uh, but also across the world as we look at the insurance fraud implications that COVID-19 has brought to our society in 2020. Yeah, you definitely are jumping into the fire in, as an executive director. So, you know, I, again, I, I appreciate that. So for the two or three people in the world that don't know who you are, maybe you could just give us a quick brief background on yourself and how you came into this role as the executive director at the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud. Well, you flatter me, my friend, but uh, I'm doubtful that, that most people care that much about Matthew Smith, but I've had the, uh, the privilege uh, for 35 years of working with insurance carriers across the United States as an attorney uh, in helping them to investigate insurance fraud and then to take those cases before judges and juries. And I say literally, I had the privilege of, of working on insurance fraud investigations that ranged from Anchorage, Alaska to San Juan, Puerto Rico. Along the way, uh, I was asked to serve as legal advisor to the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud. I had no idea at the time, but I knew I was going to retire at the end of 2017. Uh, and as good fate would have it, uh, there was an opening at that point to join the coalition as the Director of Government Affairs. And then when my predecessor, Dennis Jay, decided to retire at the end of 2019, uh, I was asked to step into the role as executive director. And it will be the last job I have, but it is certainly a privilege and honor uh, to do so. Hmm. I think you said that about your other job, too, but we'll have to hold you to the fire on that so you can enjoy retirement someday. <laughs> um, 
Thanks. That's really impressive, Matthew. Your background is really speaks volumes on the kind of person that you are and everything that you've done. Uh, just you know, for the people that don't know about the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud that maybe listen to this podcast across the globe, maybe you could just give them a sense of all the coalition has done and continues to do for the industry and the consumers within the industry. And that is something, uh, Dennis, that I am always excited to talk about. So let me share with you uh, that are listening that may not be aware. The coalition is unique in fighting insurance fraud literally across the globe. In 1993, 27 years ago, two major types of organizations came together in the United States. Those organizations were the leading consumer advocacy organizations throughout the United States. They partnered with what was then the American Insurance Association, AIA, and other leading insurance organizations. Now, at least in the United States, anyone who knows insurance knows that consumer advocates and insurance companies view the world through vastly different lenses. But in 1993, they came together and said, an issue we can agree upon is the need to protect consumers from insurance fraud. The coalition was then born. I have to guess that many people probably thought it may only survive a couple of years before some type of an issue or disagreement would divide it. More than a quarter century later, we are stronger than ever. The coalition is not made up of individuals, but it is made up of organizations, associations, and important entities like the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, the National Council of Insurance Legislators. So we are the only group that is an umbrella organization for legislators, government affairs leaders, attorneys general, law enforcement, prosecutors, every major insurance carrier across every line of insurance business in the United States, along with selected insurance fraud service providers, such as BAE Systems, leading law firms that are handpicked from across the United States that are devoted to fighting insurance fraud. So today we are more than 200 member organizations strong. We divide our efforts into three primary categories. One is public information and outreach to share information across all platforms across the United States about the need to fight back against insurance fraud. The second thing we do is government affairs and judicial affairs, whether that's legislative, regulatory, or through the American court system. We have avenues to prevail upon each of those with an anti-fraud message. And the final piece is our research projects that we do on public attitudes, insurance company benchmarking, how are they doing, and a number of other issues that are very important, including technology. So those are the three areas we focus on, and we continue to grow strong as we go into our third decade. Well, thanks. And, and, you know, and I'd have to add to that, I think the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud is probably one of the most powerful and influential organizations in the world. You know, like you said, there's a lot of unique things that nowhere else in the world is being done, like the, the Coalition is doing. So, you know, I commend you for um, taking over the helm and, and really driving it into the future. Um, so, as your predecessor, then as Jay might say, um, we're in uncharted waters with the current pandemic. And while I appreciate that you don't have a crystal ball to look in to see the future, maybe you could talk about some of the things that you're seeing in the industry from an insurance fraud perspective during these times. 
I'd be glad to. And, you know, you're exactly right. No one has a crystal ball for what is going to be the future as we move past this phase of the COVID-19 worldwide pandemic. But we do know some things that we can first learn from the past. The closest analogy we've been able to draw has been the Great Recession uh, that struck the world in 2008-2009. Literally what we saw as a result of the Great Recession was a tremendous spike in all forms of insurance fraud. Let's face reality. Insurance fraud is driven by financial need and financial gain. Money is always going to be the motivator behind insurance fraud. The Great Recession brought that to the forefront. But really, when you look at it, and what we're already seeing in terms of spikes, is the Great Recession is going to pale in regard to the COVID-19 pandemic. Literally, worldwide, whether you look at Interpol and what they're pushing out, I had conversations yesterday with fraud leaders in Canada. I've spoken to fraud leaders in other parts of the world. Everyone is seeing what we anticipate to be only the tip of the COVID-19 insurance fraud iceberg. So what are some of the things we're seeing already that we don't need a crystal ball to protect or to predict? One is in the healthcare arena. Uh, and a lot of this is targeted, sadly, toward uh, seniors. But scammers who are calling, saying we need to put an immediate rider onto your health policy so that you're protected if you do become infected, and all we need you to give us is your personal identification and your credit card. They're scams. They're stealing that information. We're also seeing it in the life insurance markets, where the same kind of thing is going on. People are being solicited to either by riders or provide information for life insurance policies, or we're also seeing a rise in scam policies or ghost policies being offered, where they're saying, hey, the insurance companies are having financial trouble now, nobody's buying policies, we'll give you a special deal on this life policy, but you have to pay the premium up front. Those are already starting to appear, not only across the United States, but elsewhere. In the auto insurance markets, we're seeing already some evidence of fraud taking place with towing companies uh, that even with legitimate accidents are charging a thousand or two thousand dollar disinfecting fee and then on top of that excessive storage charges because they're saying they can't touch the vehicle even if it's been disinfected for 14 days due to risk of the virus there's also then even before covid 19 uh, evidence of a, a rise in staged automobile accidents we expect more of those, uh, and not necessarily organized crime, but individuals who are just desperate because they can't cover their rent, their mortgage, or buy groceries that come up with schemes to try to cause an accident and make a quick insurance claim, sometimes against innocent victims, sometimes people conspiring with each other. On the property and casualty side, one of the interesting things that came out, the Washington Examiner newspaper did a, an article last week uh, that, that we were a major part of. And one of the things they talked about is the Google searches for how do I commit arson? How do I burn my home, my car, have spiked already to a whopping 125% of what they were before COVID-19. And then finally, in the United States, uh, there's going to be a whole fallout from COVID-19 in the world of workers' compensation. With people being forced to work remotely, 
what is now a worksite injury? And if I trip over a rug in my study uh, or in my dining room immediately adjacent to my laptop that I'm working on, has that now become a worker's comp claim? What if I get up and walk to the kitchen? Is that still covered or did I leave my place of employment at that point? So all of these are questions that are going to be sorted out as we move through and out of this phase of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Wow, that's really uh, insightful for sure. You know, and I, I think that the opportunistic fraud that you know that you mentioned that, that that would have me concerned because you know these ethically challenged people that are out there that are trying to take advantage of um, a pandemic or a catastrophe or crisis like this, you know, are, will do anything they can. But you know, it's driven economically based on needs. You know, and it's you know how people will do whatever it takes for them to survive. So interesting. Yes. Yeah, so, is what are you most concerned about from a coalition perspective? Are there anything that you can mention that maybe you, that we really should be looking at that is most concerning to you from your perspective? You know, that's a challenge because that really is where the crystal ball uh, does come in. Yeah. Right now, I would say one of our primary focuses is on elder scams. Uh, one of the partners we are working with very closely is the AARP, a uh, very large organization across the United States uh, protecting seniors in many regards, and now to the forefront comes insurance fraud. So we've been partnering with uh, our fellow organization, uh, the National Insurance Crime Bureau, NICB, and with, NA with AARP to try to put out messages to older Americans to not fall victim to these scams. Everyone knows they're at a higher risk for COVID-19, but they're also at a higher risk for COVID-19 scams. So we're sending that message out. The other message that we're also concerned about right now is the message we are pushing out to our insurance members, which is, are you prepared? American insurance companies over the last 10 to 20 years have downsized a lot of their SIU functions. They've called it right-sizing. The question we've put out there is right-sized for what? Are you right-sized for the onslaught of COVID-19 fraud that's coming? So we're putting that call out to insurance companies to make sure they're prepared, whether it's through their existing staff resources or turning to excellent vendors uh, and service providers who can partner with them in these times and bring those skills to the table and also something that BAE Systems has been a leader on, we're really urging our insurance members to look at new technologies as a way to quickly identify and get ahead of the COVID-19 frauds and scams that are out there with more coming on the horizon. Okay, thanks. You know, I know that, you know, getting back to the, there's a couple of things, getting back to the opportunistic fraud, but before I do that, I was really wondering, what are some of the scams that they're, um, these scammers are preying on elderly? What are some of the um, pathologies or, or scenarios that they're doing with the elders? We've seen the most rise in telephone scams where they're calling uh urging them to add an endorsement or a rider onto a policy or to buy additional insurance. Uh, that's been more the insurance direct function of the fraud. Of course, uh, AARP and others have informed us of, of trying to sell them testing kits of 
different products that will disinfect their home. We've had some scans directed toward the elderly of saying, we'll come in, we'll disinfect your home to make sure that you're safe. And oh, by the way, all you have to do is send our bill on and you'll be reimbursed by your insurance company, which is obviously fraudulent in that vein. So we're seeing a lot of those things that are being targeted toward older Americans. Uh, and we're trying to stay ahead of that, learning from our partners, talking with them, and trying to push out information through all channels, uh, but especially those that might reach older Americans on how they can protect themselves from these types of frauds and scams. Yeah, interesting. So getting back to the opportunistic part, so if if a fraud, if somebody that's considering doing fraud, maybe they think that the courts are overwhelmed or the the industry is going to be um, less, you know, I don't know, less less aggressive pursuing people that are committing fraud or taking advantage of this type of pandemic or crisis. From your experience, uh, maybe you can explain to the audience how the courts react to people that are that do this type of fraud during a catastrophe like this. Well, we're hopeful that courts and juries will really take heed and and bring the proverbial hammer down on those who are taking advantage of this worldwide pandemic to commit insurance fraud. If there's one thing I learned in 35 years of practicing law is that it's very difficult to predict what judges and juries are going to do. But equally after doing that for three and a half decades, I had tremendous faith and confidence in the judicial system that we have in the United States. Uh, I've seen it in action and I believe it will work. We did see after the 2008-2009 Great Recession uh, an increase in prosecutions. And with that, although there's no statistical support for it, we did start to see a rise of a stronger and harsher sentencing and fines. Another analogy uh, that's not insurance fraud directly related, but is the 9-11 disaster that struck our country. And after that, there were people that did attempt to take advantage of that, and they were prosecuted very heavily at that time. So our hope is that those type of historical trends will apply and the judges and juries will strike harshly at those where the evidence shows try to take advantage of others as a result of COVID-19. What the tail is on this in terms of how long it will run remains to be seen. One of the advantages we have uh, in the United States is the statute of limitations period normally for insurance fraud, uh, especially when it's a crime, is long. Uh, It's five to seven years from the time that the criminal event uh, was discovered or should have been discovered. So that's going to allow prosecutors, law enforcement, a long window to go after these people. Of course, from the coalition's perspective, we want to see that happen sooner rather than later. But before we leave this topic, Dennis, there's something else that's also important. Although it may not be criminal, we are also sending out a message as a consumer advocacy group to our insurance carrier members. In the United States, uh, we have a very heavily heavy civil penalty that is known as bad faith. Bad faith cases may be filed in most jurisdictions against insurance companies 
when they do not act reasonably in how they handle a claim submitted by a policyholder or in some cases even third parties. Right now, we are dealing with an unprecedented onslaught of potential insurance claims, whether it's business interruption coverage, as I mentioned, workers' compensation claims, where the workplace is now someone's dining room or basement, auto insurance scams and schemes, but there's still going to be claims submitted. The, the call we are putting out to our insurance carrier members is be cautious. Look at these claims through the eyes of your policyholder, through the eyes of consumers, and yes, you have to adhere to your policy, but in the United States especially, we do anticipate a rise as well in bad faith cases, and those claims will not be based upon traditional standards, but what was reasonable during and immediately after the COVID-19 crisis? And that argument will be made to judges and juries across the country. And of course, we're writing the handbook right now on what reasonable means under these circumstances. This is the first we face this. So it's going to be a new set of rules and insurers need to be aware of that and be leading the right side of writing that rule book. Yeah, that's very interesting. You didn't even think about that. You know, you look at from a consumer perspective, you know, what what they can do to protect themselves. I think the insurance companies need to do the same type of thing just to make sure that they are not rushing through this onslaught of claims just to get through the backlog. backlog. Yeah, really interesting. So, you know, on that point, though, you know, what what do you recommend that organizations and consumers do to protect themselves at this time? I mean, what do you think that the consumers should be doing to make sure that their claims are being handled properly and to avoid, you know, submitting um, suspicious claims or things that are exaggerating their claims? Well, number one, and this is the message that we send out uh, always, but especially in these most unusual times, if you are considering committing insurance fraud, simply don't do it. Kind of the reverse of the famous Nike slogan, don't do it. We understand <laughs> that many Americans are hurting across the country and many citizens are hurting across the world. Small businesses are closed. People have been laid off from jobs. People do not have extensive and vast savings put back to cover times that even ordinarily may cause them to have a short loss of income, but now we're looking at at extended periods of income loss. Those people feel trapped, they feel desperate. They have a car payment, a rent payment, a mortgage payment. They have to go to the grocery store and buy food. The stimulus checks that are coming out will help some of that, but there will also be needs that are not met. The message we want to send to consumers is if you are thinking that the solution is to burn your business, your home, to torch uh, an excess car that you don't need, or conspire with, with a friend across town to stage that automobile accident and then think you can make a quick buck off of it. Simply first, don't do it. Second, understand that there is a very high probability you're going to get caught. And if you get caught, you may be looking at the world from behind bars. You may also be facing the loss of 
of getting a job in the future because you have a criminal conviction. You'll be isolated and removed from your families, your friends, and that's going to be a chain that's around your neck for the rest of your life that you are an insurance fraud criminal. COVID-19 will pass. Those types of life-changing events will not. So our message is simply do not look at insurance fraud as the solution to whatever problems you may be experiencing now. Yeah, that's a really strong and good message to get out there. I really appreciate that. You know, and one of the other things, too, I think having worked for an insurance carrier for many years, I think it's important that people communicate with their carrier. If they have questions and coverage before they file the claim, make sure that they're they're documenting it and they're doing everything that's right. You know, carriers are in every carrier that I've worked across the globe, they look to pay the claims versus um, deny the claims or investigate the claims. They want to do what's right for the consumer because they have a reputational risk. And if you communicate with them early and often, I think that's the best way to um, to get uh, work yourself through a claim, a legitimate claim. So, yes, I could not agree good. with you more. As I mentioned at the start, you know, after 35 years of working with insurance, carriers? Sure, everybody makes mistakes along the way. But what I have seen repeatedly is insurance companies want to take care of their policyholders. They want to do the right thing. Now, everybody has a choice to make. And the choice we make as consumers and policyholders is whether we are 100% honest, whether we try to inflate that claim, change that claim, get something we're not entitled to. The question comes back to simply the golden rule. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Treat your insurance company the same way you want them to treat you. If we follow that equation, these claims are going to get processed in accordance with the coverage that's provided, and claims payments should go out to consumers promptly. Thanks. I do know that there's going to be an onslaught of claims that are coming out, and there's certain um, regulations in the way that um, organizations do business. Maybe you could talk a little bit more about that, those type of um, regulations or statutes that protect uh, consumers as well. Certainly. Uh, and there are, in the vast majority of the individual states across the United States, strong anti-fraud laws that are on the books. In addition to the insurance fraud-specific laws, there are consumer protection laws that are on the books across the United States for that can be used for both civil liability and more importantly for criminal prosecution of those who are seeking to use COVID-19 for financial advantage. One of the things that we do is work very closely with state regulators, with state legislators, with attorneys general, and with prosecutors. And we anticipate that that will go up as we look at the next phase of COVID-19 fraud whether it's putting on additional webinars, training programs and informations uh, to elected leaders and to law enforcement and prosecutors across the country. Those are going to be the things that we have a little bit of time here to talk about, but are going to be important as we move out of the current pandemic and into a process of identifying and prosecuting those who are committing fraud against our citizens. Um, so maybe... Jumping on to uh, 
you know, what are what are carrier what what are carriers currently doing, and what can they do to detect and deter fraud? How are they handling the fraudulent activity that's going on in the that they're anticipating and is currently happening? And that's been very interesting to see, because literally you saw within days of the start of the COVID-19 shutdown, major insurance carriers across America that had been in very large consolidated service centers, now all of a sudden, almost overnight, having their entire teams work remotely from home locations. And that included insurance fraud investigations. And when you think about this, this is something we couldn't have done even a decade ago. So the technology that exists now is allowing insurers to hopefully not miss a step in how they are investigating insurance fraud. And that's an important message to send out to anyone who's thinking about committing insurance fraud who thinks they're not going to get caught because the mechanisms aren't there to find them. They are and they are strong. One of the messages that we have been sending out to our carrier members and to others is a phrase that we developed that humans spread the virus, but technology may stop the fraud. So good old-fashioned investigation techniques are still there. They're still being used. But thankfully, in this era of COVID-19, we have programs like BAE Systems Net Reveal Solution. Uh, That's just one example that you've put into the market that are helping insurers and protecting consumers from insurance fraud. So what we need to be focused on here is how can we use not only the old technology or the old standards, but the new emerging technologies and amp them up even higher to go after COVID-19 fraud so that we stay ahead of that curve. And that's something that we're seeing leaders like BAE and others do, partnering with our insurance members. But ultimately, the goal is the same, to stop the fraud and to protect the consumer. Yeah, thanks. You know, and I have to agree with that biasly, obviously. But I think, um, you know, my our, our phrase is that we're not, technology is not restricted by social distancing. You know, we, the, the data is the data and the technology can help the insurance companies find the legitimate claims and process them very quickly, but it also helps them identify suspicious activity so they can make sure that they're protecting their organization and other consumers in the world out there in their, in their business anyway. Um, great. So, so I know, I know we're up against, Go ahead, Matthew. And that's so important, Dennis, because we're seeing that across the board as uh, insurance carriers and investigators adapt. Even things like some of the United States governors have issued orders uh, prohibiting in-person examinations under oath. So we're seeing technology used there. Other states have said you can no longer mandate a sworn statement and proof of loss because it would require the person to interact with a notary. So they're using scans. Uh, cell phone photos taken of proofs, and then pairing that with technology where they're asking them under oath to attest to its truthfulness. So it's really interesting to see how all of these different technologies, some almost Star Wars-like, others more mundane that we use in our ordinary life, but they're coming together to be fraud-fighting tools in this COVID-19 era. 
yeah, that's really interesting. So it's almost like a uh, ecosystem for detecting fraud and bringing all these different technologies and and partnering together for to give carriers a one-stop shop and to help them identify fraud in these definitely unique times and uncharted waters, as we mentioned in the beginning. Um, okay. So, look, I know we're up against the clock, and I've held you long enough, and I know you have a million things going on. Um, maybe, so if, if someone, if, if you know someone that's committing fraud, how would, you, how would you say they should report it? What are some of the options they have out there? And that's very important because that is a message we want to push out to consumers. If you feel that someone is trying to scam you or defraud you, what steps can you take to not only protect yourself, but to protect others from spreading that fraud even more. The first step we always talk about is to notify your state department of insurance. In the United States, we have 51 different department of insurance, and most of those have a fraud bureau involved in working with consumers to protect them from insurance fraud. So it's important that consumers notify their Department of Insurance Fraud Bureau about suspected fraud. How do you do that? Well, number one, you can go to your state Department of Insurance website, and you can report that fraud normally via the website or call them through a Contact Us number and let them know. In some states, it may be handled by the State Attorney General's Office, and if so, then you can notify the Attorney General's office as well. The Department of Insurance will probably direct you there. Our partner, the National Insurance Crime Bureau, also has an 800 number set up. It is 1-800-835-6422. Or it's easy to remember, 800-TEL-NICB. And you can report fraud through the National Insurance Crime Bureau, and they will route it to the appropriate agency. Ordinarily, the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud is not a fraud reporting agency, but because of the large rise of COVID-19 fraud, if someone goes to our website, which is pretty easy to remember, insurancefraud.org, just remember .org, insurancefraud.org, and you click on the banner at the top for COVID-19, it will take you to our Stop the Spread page. On that page is a tile that says Report COVID-19 Fraud, you can provide that information to us, and we will in turn provide it to the appropriate state agency for their further follow-up. So there's many, many ways consumers can report suspected insurance fraud in these times. That's great. And that's a key point to the industry. You know, a lot of times that's how they get their information on suspicious activities through um, reports like that and they are they can remain anonymous during those uh, when they do report that so any information is is appreciated on that so just in closing you know again i know we're up against the clock i i we mentioned a lot of things that the coalition is doing to help both consumer advocates and the insurance industry at the time you know and uh, you know i know just from my experience with you guys, like I said, they are probably one of the most influential and um, helpful organizations for the entire insurance industry. So do you want to just kind of close it out on some of the things that you guys are doing um, for the industry, not only during COVID-19, but overall? 
I'd be glad to. And, and I thank you for involving the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud in this BAE Systems podcast today and for your very fine, uh, very nice comments about what we're doing. We're trying very, very hard. Uh, we've tried to be ahead of the fraud curve with COVID-19, putting information out. Uh, we led the drive for a webinar uh, that was held at the end of March with our partners, the International Association of Special Investigation Units and the National Insurance Crime Bureau. That single COVID-19 fraud webinar turned into the largest anti-fraud gathering in world history. We had nearly 3,000 people participate in that hour-long webinar about how to protect consumers from COVID-19 fraud. For the first time in our history, we have a special webpage set up called Stop the Spread. All you need to do is go to our website, insurancefraud.org, click on the banner, and it is updated daily with information about COVID-19 fraud and scams taking place across our nation. We're also pushing out to every state department of insurance uh, a weekly infographic and an accompanying release that they can send out to local media in their state. These deal with elder scams auto scams, workers' compensation scams, all associated with COVID-19. Later in the month of April, we'll be uh, presenting another joint webinar with the National Insurance Crime Bureau and AARP geared towards senior fraud and how seniors can protect themselves from becoming victims of COVID-19 fraud. And these are the special events we're doing. In addition to that, I mentioned at this Start. We have our government affairs program. We are continuing to monitor 130 separate bills across the country. As recently as, as yesterday, a new law was enacted. There's 15 new anti-fraud laws that are already on the book. So our state legislatures, our governors are still working on things behind the scenes that are going to impact how we fight COVID-19 fraud. And even our court system. We have our Friend of the Court or Amicus Curiae program. Uh, we've already filed a brief uh, a couple of weeks ago with the Illinois Supreme Court on an important anti-fraud case there. So those are our normal efforts, but even our normal efforts are going to lay a stronger foundation as we move in, into this post-COVID-19 shutdown world, prosecuting and having good, strong laws and actions that will bring the hammer down on those taking advantage of consumers as a result of this pandemic. Yeah, thank you so much, Matthew. That was just fantastic. Um, Paul, I'll turn it back over to you to conclude. The interesting thing listening to the conversation is, I think if, you, if you're listening to Intelligence Download, uh, you are probably going to be in, you know, in the insurance industry. You're either going to be in the anti-fraud, IT, CISO, um, CEO sort of uh, position. And I think it's, it's nice to understand that you know, the organization is there to protect consumers and insurers, to hold consumers and insurers to account. So it's, it's, it seems to me that one of the big things that needs to come out of this is balance, but also that um, this is also a great opportunity for insurers. You know, t if, you, if we manage things properly, if we can detect fraud, if we can um, speed out those good claims versus the bad claims, then you could end up with both business customers and consumer customers for life 
you know you see it when it comes to large-scale natural disasters both in the US and the UK actually um, where they have responded well where the consumers have made you know appropriate claims um, you know there are relationships that can stand for a very long time especially with insurers in, in what is I think still a very competitive market um, so if anything this 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 sort of this period this pandemic has a lot of challenges but there's also there is a large scale uh, sort of set of opportunities, I think. Um, and that was probably the thing that came out clearest for me and, and one of the most interesting points that came out from this conversation. Matthew, thank you very much for your participation today. And obviously, thank you, Dennis, once again. Thank you again for tuning in to listening to the Intelligence Download. Um, if you'd like to subscribe, just go to your favourite uh, podcast app, either via Podbean, Apple, Google, Um or to find out more about some of the insurance uh, insights that we're publishing at the moment, go to baesystems.com forward slash insurance insights.